What's up, everybody? Welcome to Omnic Lab. This is episode 139, and we are back with another episode about compositions. This week, joining me, as always, my name's Rob, and I'm coming in from a very sleep-deprived Monday night <laughs> for Andres' sleep-deprived Monday morning. Welcome to the show, Andres. <laughs> Welcome back. Sleepy show. No, 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 no. Sleepy show. I'm getting I'm wide awake over here. My coffee's about to be ready, so... Things are looking up. I know you're a little late for you. I do appreciate you staying up this late for me. Uh, it's been a crazy <laughs> weekend. So, yeah, we're recording Monday morning today. Yeah, and now that Overwatch League has officially started Season 2, Week 1 of Stage 1, this weekend, we decided that it might be a pretty good idea to kind of ride the hype and talk to you guys about what we were seeing in the very first opening weekend with regards to composition. So if you're new here on The Block, we are a strategic podcast. We don't talk about OWL all the time, but when we do, it's always about strategic things to help you and your game, whether it be in comp or just as a player in general, to kind of understand the game better is our goal here on the show. And we took the lab mantle as kind of a testing case, meaning that we're learning with you guys. We're getting professionals and pro players good streamers, all of those type of people on the show to kind of help us out, break things down for you. With that said, um, we saw a whole lot of really fun new teams, new players, new faces, lots of cool things. I know that we had friends that were actually at the arena. I know that uh, I was able to catch a lot of the games on Andres was as well. But before we get started, we have a few announcements to make. We have the game night for February coming up this weekend. So it is coming up on the 22nd of February, and I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be there um, for the entire duration or even some of the duration. I'll, I'll try to pop in for a few a few games at least. Um, this is a little wonky month for us because it's so fast after the previous one, and uh, we've got a lot of stuff to prepare for on my end for next month. And uh, classes are ending and graduation is happening. So we'll see how it goes out there. But uh, we also have a sponsorship slots. And I'm going to dish it over to Andres to cover Top Score Solutions. You're, you're muted, Andres. Oh, here I am. Here I am. All right. Top Score Solutions. As you guys know, uh, Top Score Solutions is an esports-oriented community for business education and analytics. They have a wonderful Discord, they have a website, and they have their own podcast that you can check out. You can go to topscoresolutions.com to find all their stuff. Everything is run by Ben. He's an incredible guy. He's super kind. And he is the type of guy that attracts uh, really good people to work around him. So I'd recommend checking him out, checking out his community if you're interested in working for esports uh, in any sort of way. Uh, he's a great connection to have, and they're always active and working on that stuff over there. Also, Omnic Meta, you guys should check it out coming out this week, especially if you're interested in uh, OWL, especially. Switch has added a bunch of stuff and statistics for OWL, um, the OWL League, and it looks really good. He's still working on it, and I know that I'm going to be helping him a little bit, um, maybe doing some analysis and checking out the numbers a bit. Uh, but for now, he's done a great job compiling all of it, and um, he's still adding even more stuff. So go check it out and tell me what you guys think. Uh, and as always, check out our Humble Bundle monthly affiliate. You can check out the link in the show notes posted with the show. Um, it helps us out and it can get you guys some nice games for very cheap. I also wanted to make a little shout out over here. Uh, my personal friend Ben, uh, a member of this community and a guy that has helped me out with... Uh, 
some of my workout routines and stuff. He's a really good guy. He started a little thing called the Meme League, and this is for you Xbox players out there. Um, if you're an Xbox player and you're in between uh, Silver and Platinum, they're running a league called the Meme League where you sign up with your own team. It's an ongoing league. They organize it and you play out throughout the week. It's uh, for fun and also for practice kind of event. They had a very successful first season with six teams and they said that they want to expand to 12 teams coming up. Um, so reach out to him. He's He'll be in the Discord and we can get you some more information on where to email them. Um, but if you're interested, join our Discord, either message me or Rob, and we'll get you guys in touch with Ben. But yes, if you're an Xbox player, check it out, <clears throat> especially if you're trying to improve or just find some friends to play a little bit more seriously, a little bit more competitively, where you can practice some team comps and stuff like the ones we're going to talk about today. And last up, we have one of our patrons, Shazir, is working out to staff out a new scrum team for downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota area. They're looking to hire a mid-senior Mid to senior software quality assurance engineer. You will have to qualify though with an engineering background that includes white box, black box testing, as well as creating a test automation using tools built in .NET and Selenium, as well as using network tools like Fiddler, JMeter, and Postman. He'd love to work with other Omnix like yourselves, so please ping him on our Discord at Shazir, that's S-H-A-Z-E-A-R, on our Discord for more information, or you can just shoot us a message and we can connect you. Um, that's going to do it for all of our announcements for this week. Let's talk about strats. So I did a lot of research here on these, um, and this is going to overlap with maybe what you're going to be seeing in some of your... Uh, top-level GM players playing in ranked, but typically this is more of organized play. And I wanted to use this as kind of a disclaimer moment to say that these strategies are built around an entire team of players that trust one another, that practice with one another, that play together, work on each other's synergies, not just trying to get better at the game. Not like us um, that like to play the game in general. However, if you do get lucky enough to find some people in your area or just some friends that are kind of scattered across um, the continental U.S. or your region of Canada or Asia Pacific where I'm at with where I'm playing with like two Aussies, a uh, New Zealander and some guy sitting in Singapore that speaks English. Sometimes it works out. OK, <laughs> but these are these are the type of players you want to stick with and you play six stacks and you play in ranked or you play six stack against six stack. You set up a scrim or a practice and you play together with the purpose of performing optimally, okay? This is very different than a ranked game feel, and so these strategies will develop around those type of, I guess you could say, trust circles and the way that the game is meant to be played as of what the, I guess, the devs have kind of organized the game for. So that's the big disclaimer. What are the comps? So I'm going to quickly run you through the most common ones first, and then... Andres is going to kind of go back through them and tell you what heroes are in each comp and kind of like um, then we'll kind of go back and forth and talk about why they're good and why they're being played. So the first one is 3-3. Three, three. This is three supports, three tanks called GOATS. This is the most standard thing that you've heard YouTubers and pretty much everyone talking about as a whole. And then there is a variant version of goats that is still three tanks and three healers. We'll talk about that here in a minute. 
And then there's a third variant of this same setup called Floats. And this one has a distinct separate name. However, a lot of players are not going to call it by this name. This is just what some folks refer to in their scrims or in their games to save time because it's, it has only one hero difference. They're just saying, hey, let's run this um, <laughs> instead. So do you that, wanna, that's why they do say you that. Do you want to maybe go ahead and define the heroes? Because some people sure. might be saying like goats, floats. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so goats is and or 3-3 three, three is called is basically a very specific set of three supports and three healers. So that's why a lot of a lot of people don't like the whole labeling it as goats and others prefer it because goats insinuates that it is three specific heroes on support and three specific tanks rather than a general mismatch of the two. Or um, why some people like Shazir who are like, why don't they call it 303 since the tanks are listed first, the DPS are listed second, and the healers are listed third. My guess would be just like anything in gaming and in language, people are lazy and they want to shorten it to as closely as little words as possible. And that's why we refer to it as goats, which is one syllable instead of 33, which is two. So <laughs> um, this is basically Brent Brig or Brigitta, Zenyatta, and Lucio as your core healers. And then your core um, tanks are Reinhardt, Zarya, and Diva. The variant forms always will swap one here. Sorry, will always swap one of the... It will swap the Zenyatta slot for a Moira or an Ana. Okay? And the reasoning behind this we'll get to later, but that is the variant version of GOATS. Now, the, the floats comp is when you swap Reinhardt for Winston because you need the verticality. So that's kind of the, the main thing there. Mm -hmm. By the way, if anyone's interesting or interested in why it's called GOATS, it's because the team that first came up with the strategy and was successful with it a long time ago um, was called GOATS. Yes, it was a contenders team, I believe, correct? Or are they open division? I think this was... Open division, or it was even before contenders. I think. I think it was a team in open division that ran this one open division and then got put into contenders. I think that that could be it, but i i don't want to I don't want to go too much into this rabbit trail because it's like something that we're not really too confident on. <laughs> you can go check it out on the Overwatch League uh, Wikipedia for uh, contenders or open division. You'll probably find it there. Yes, contenders actually. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So um, the other main comp that you're going to be seeing is a similar setup to goats, which is a specific comp with specific heroes with a slight variation on it when needed. And this is the three, two, one comp or the Sombra comp is what they're just kind of calling it now. And the only thing that changes from goats to Sombra is that you remove diva or you remove Zarya. Diva is the most common replaced hero in this combination and we, we can get to that here in a little bit. Well, not too much, but uh, Diva's the typical first strike, as it were, on your team to swap for something that's needed because everything else is very, very core to the setup. And Diva is kind of your chaser, bruiser, mix match and do everything else. And also the one thing that can deny the enemy a big combo play by denying damage or by also denying the ultimate of Zarya in particular. So that's why um, she is the first one to go because she's more defensive slash uh, medium bruiser damage and you just want more damage in a specific type or more utility in a specific type. Sombra is the first one that gets picked up and Sombra is the most disruption in a hero kit that you can get against this current setup that works really, really well. 
So that's why Sombra is becoming a main consideration. And then I labeled it as Death Ball, but typically Death Ball is not 321. This is what I call a 321 Death Ball. Um, this one doesn't really have a name. It's kind of just like a variant on the Sombra comp. And instead of running Sombra, you run X. So it's let's swap our Diva for something that we need. So the what you need could be a McCree where you're running it in a death ball on on something to just get the stun and the damage. Or you're maybe you're running a Reaper because you just want to rip through things and kind of give yourself some more staying power, more offensive pressure. Maybe the map is more spread out and you need to run a tracer. So that's an option. Or maybe maybe you're just playing um, as the, gla <laughs> the gladiators did and they just ran a Symmetra and they just start melting things and try to move around on with the teleporters very, very quickly between high ground and low ground if needed be. So those are those are the main compositions that you will see with if you if you flipped on Overwatch League in order of popularity. These are the these are the comps you're going to be seeing. So Andres, let's go back through these and talk about maybe the why. Why is why are these comps being played? What makes them good? How do we play them? That type of a thing. Sure. Goats. Let's start with goats because goats I think is yeah. like in the spotlight right now. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of controversy around this composition some people don't mind it some people call it resident sleeper um whether you like it or not goats is here to stay even after the nerves and the reaper buff um goats has been <clears throat> almost untouched the the same composition is still working at the same level and granted this is what the teams have been practicing for a very long time so some of the top teams right now um are this is what they're used to playing with but regardless of that, they're still choosing to go with this. Um, and even though, like Rob mentioned, there's been some variety and teams do change here and there to meet the map or to get to catch the other team out of surprise, you often find them coming back to GOATS. Um, and let's talk about that. Why do you think GOATS is so strong, Rob? Goats is so strong, I think, in my opinion, and this is this is actually something that is already a point of contention that we're getting right into it. But to me, I feel like it's it's a big powerhouse because damage dealing characters in the game don't provide enough utility when presented with the utility and damage of heroes like Zen in tandem with the power of armor across the board. And Brigitte's basically total ability to layer area of effect healing, which doesn't really ask a player much more than hit a target and be near me to heal your, your allies. And then you have a very low cooldown that can overheal. That's, that's also a big thing. So some people will target specific things that they don't like, I would say, about goats. And usually... It revolves around the brokenness of Diva or the brokenness of Brigitta or the brokenness of Zen and Lucio. When in reality, I think that to point the finger at Diva being a broken hero is partially correct, but partially not because you wouldn't see Diva removed from this as a non core piece so regularly if she was that strong, I think. And the other, the other side of the consideration would be that the healers like the power of Brigitte it shows when you want to swap any of these healers for another one aka Mercy Moira Anna and you never see Brigitte or Lucio change so we recognize that in the core of this 3-3 build there are four heroes that represent that 
Yeah. You have a and main tank function, which is a Ryan Winston, and you have a Azaria with a Lucio and a Brigitte. Those are your four core. The other two I, are negotiable. And I do think, like you said, all those heroes are really powerful, but I think they're just powerful in context. Um, and what right. I mean by this is if Overwatch League was played on Deathmatch, GOATS would not be run like nearly as close. Probably never, actually. GOATS can be strong, but only because of the game modes that are being played. And I think that people finally arrived to the conclusion, and it was only a matter of time, right? Like, what's the combination of heroes that best allows us to do here, to do the job that we need to do? And especially in Overwatch League, where people are spending money and bringing in analysts to crack the meta, right? It's yep. only a matter of time until they arrive to these conclusions. But why? GOATS, it's perfect to contest points. It's just like the dream composition to do this because you have tons of health, you have tons of healing, you have decent enough mobility with the Lucio speed boost, but more importantly, you're not trying to pick a fight on and chase enemies and deal with flankers. What instead you're doing is you're playing the point. You're always just trying to go to the point, capture it, and if the enemy team is not running anything close to being as beefy as GOATS is, you're going to concede points right there. Sure, the other team might be able to outplay you. The, for example, four DPS compositions are common to counter GOATS, and they do, in fact, counter GOATS. The thing is, they still take time to counter GOATS. Even if you have the most mobile DPSs out there, just running circles around GOATS, it's still going to take a significant amount of time um, for them to whittle him down, eventually kill him. And in this time, Goats is happily gaining ground on the payload or gaining percentage on the point. Um, and that's kind of like the, the whole strength of Goats at this point. You don't need to worry about chasing another team or winning the fight immediately. And you almost force the enemy team to have to go Goats at the same time because that is the only other true composition that can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe versus that much health, healing, shields, and other abilities, like you said. Brigitta is a powerful hero, but she's only powerful in this context as well, because she's not only a healer, she's a healer that can contest the point almost like a tank can. So she fits like right into this. Uh, she pairs up great with Reinhardt, with um, Saria, and like you said, Diva, Diva to me is the odd man out a little bit. And this is because, right. and this is why she gets swapped so much, like you said, because she is not necessarily the amazing power of holding the point that the other heroes are, but she's an overall all around all star, right? And Diva has found her way into almost every type of composition in the game just because of how versatile the hero itself is, right? Uh, and when you have a hero like that, it just makes sense. Hey, what is the best hero all around in the game? Probably somewhere close to D.Va. It just slots right into GOATS, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, D.Va is just kind of like the most... you Basically the most well-rounded powerhouse that you can get. It's big. It's got a lot of hit points. There's a lot of armor there. You can sit in team fights really easily. You have the ability to go to verticality. You also have the ability to push people back and bully them. You have a lot of damage output, like semi-burst damage that you can deal in a pinch. And you have the utility that basically no one has in the game, which is to completely deny an ultimate 
um, out of existence in some cases that are some of the most powerful things. And the only thing that is getting the made the most major of considerations outside of her is the only hero in the game that has even more utility than D.Va, which is to shut down everything that's going on or turning out the lights, quite literally, Sombra. You're turning shields off, both in health bars and in physical uh, shields, like for, for Orisa or, uh, or Winston or even Reinhardt. So you have all of that utility. You have the ability to scout. You have the ability to shut down Zenyatta's existence if you can find them first and just turn them off. Um, and Zenyatta and, and all of these things work in tandem. And the interesting thing to me is not just, like, how goats is like functions as like people are like oh this is just the same thing that we've had for months but kind of like even after patches i feel like there's even more iteration with how it's being played how it's being mastered how this specific specific style is being played against other teams that play it differently um and and i think like okay if we if you kind of like look at this how does this comp even do damage, right? That, that That's probably your first question because, like, the whole idea of the comp is just be fat, have a ton of healing, sit on the point, force them to take the fight to you, and then just beat them into submission until they fall, right? Because you have just hit more hit points and more healing over the course of time. You can't go down as easily, and that's why you stick around. And because it's an objective-based video game and you're sitting on a point capping it or you're sitting on a point controlling it or you're sitting on a cart and moving it, that's why this comp is much better than kills, like Andres was saying with Deathmatch. Yeah. And so I why does it work? Uh, it's probably still worth noting. It's not like you blindly go to the point every time because that's to diminish goats a little bit. Um, let's mm -hmm. just say goats is fantastic at taking space. Um, if yeah. goats want space, they just go and they take it. Unlike other comps like dive, which first have to worry about like, let's take out key targets, then we can take the space that we want. Goats instead is just like, I want to go there. Let's all go there. Get out of my way kind of thing. Right. So how does the comp work? The basics of this comp is that Rhinans and Brigitte are the only heroes in the game that can hit through barriers with their weapon. But the big restriction is they have to be within melee range to do it. So that's the trade-off. If you're within their minimum range, you can hit through barriers. You can hit a, a Reinhardt and actually damage them. Um, you have a big barrier there. Zarya is actually your core damage outside of Zenyatta. These are your damage dealers in this composition. Zarya is able to get so one. much charge. And that's Zarya why she's able to get in this comp. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing heroes like Defran or you're seeing people like... Um, Sinatra and Carpe, these these big frag heroes, DPS players picking up the Zarya mantles um, yeah, because that's and, their role. And actually, if you pay attention to some of the <clears throat> the ways Zarya was being played this week, she's almost taking the role of range heroes. A lot of the times you would see Zarya's in the high ground, actually. Uh, once a team had taken a position that they needed, Zarya would go take out the high ground and just spam her right click from above um, and they become kind of like that role of ranged damage dealers and also um, a huge source of damage because you, you're fully charged almost all the time. Uh, sorry, if you're playing her right in GOATS, you're almost 80 to 100% charge 80% of the time. Um, so your damage output is huge. If anyone comes up close, you melt them. The rest of the time, you're kind of focused on doing the ranged damage and farming your grab as fast as you can. Yes, that's correct. And the other thing that you need to be paying attention to is what your Zenyatta is doing. 
Because if your Zenyatta is calling who is getting the discorded target, that target needs to die immediately. And not just if they're discorded, but the big contingency plan is if they're discorded and nearby to the two heroes that can deal damage to them, i.e. Brigitte and Reinhardt. Or maybe the Zarya can get a quick turn and blow them up with um, the, the D.Va. So these 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 two duos are kind of just always working in tandem. And it's even better if it happens to be a tank. The enemy team, maybe they're running goats and they don't have their Zarya bubble to protect somebody. If that is the case or the Reinhardt has got their shield up, then you really can't do anything. But if those two things are at, at play, meaning that the Reinhardt shield is down or the, or the bubble from Zarya, the projected barrier is gone, then you can discord a target and you can blow them up. That's kind of your big focal point of the composition. Brigitte, of course, has the stun. You have the ability to Graviton Surge and Diva Bomb and, and Slam. But those are those are very kind of clear-cut things that you have as tools with your ultimates that a lot of players already are are willing to admit that they have in their arsenal, if that makes sense. Right. Although it, ultimates in this composition are big. And you could say, like, this is how GOATS moves forward. They really rely on their ults and combining them together to make big plays, right? Like this is a composition that is almost all about the ults because <clears throat> the rest of the time you're mostly just swinging hammers and flails, spamming with Sarya, but not really doing any like significant burst damage unless they're like right in front of you, right? Like if they're in mm -hmm. front of you, you could you could melt them down. For, for, for the most part, you're just poking at people and then relying on this big Graviton plus Diva Bomb or like that shatter that your Reinhardt gets off and everybody just rushes in with the speed boost and just melts them in. Um, mm. So yeah, ults are are huge and usually you can farm them pretty fast. Like supports get ults in as fast because they're healing a ton. Um, sorry, I guess ultimates fast because there's charges all over the place. Lots of targets to hit. Uh, Reinhardt is getting speed boosted and ba basically babysat by the entire team. So usually Reinhardt can play really aggressively and gain old faster than, you know, Reinhardt normally would. Uh, so in general, mm. this composition is great at building olds and using them aggressively. So a lot of the big plays that Andres was saying is you're going to be seeing is is through the Divas, through the Gravitons, through the Reinhardts, the tank ultimates as a whole are basically doing a lot of your heavy lifting. And then when the enemy team happens to be running the same comp because of how powerful it is, that's when you're going to be utilizing your Zenyatta ultimates to block damage, to retain people. And you're going to see people utilize things like Brigitte's Rally or Zenyatta's big Transcendence kind of more freely than they should. Um, in, a, in like a more general context, just because in this composition, keeping one or two people alive is much more powerful than um, making a efficient ultimate use of that character in some cases. Um, but the other thing, too, about Zenyatta is he's not as mobile unless he has the speed. So he likes to use it that way. And a fun fact about the... Um, the Lucio drop the beat or the uh, sound barrier is that if, if you time it properly, you can sound barrier a diva bomb and protect your entire enemy team and, and preserve your Reinhardt shield as well. So if, if you wanted to do those type of things, you have those things in your in your back pocket if you need that. Um, it doesn't mean that it's a 
like an every time use case because we've seen Lucio's do all kinds of sound barriers, things to engage, things to disengage, things to just stick in the fight and, and heal up with rally underneath of it. I've seen people layer rally with that because you're able to gain the armor underneath of the shields, which is going to change next patch, but it's not not yet. So there's going to be some big shifts in how, how these this composition is going to have to shift if it's going to re retain itself. Now, I think we've kind of talked this to death. What about if you want to run a Winston in place of the Reinhardt? Why is that a major consideration for these teams, Anders? You're you're muted again. Oh my bad. <laughs> my cat was making some weird noises over here. Um, <laughs> Reinhardt is basically your anchor, and for the most part, is almost like the, the the most valuable player that you can have if your reinhardt is down for the most part you'll be wanting to disengage unless somehow you still have an advantage or your sorry is very charged and has like some clear kills but for the most part reinhardt is like the the main guy the only reason i think you would swap it for winston is on points where verticality is king and having that winston diva actually makes uh, quite a huge difference and the rest of your team tends to be mobile enough right like you got the lucio who can climb walls saria tends to lag behind but for the most part is not too big of a deal since she can stay with your brigitta and your zenyatta either your um if you're moria or anna either one that you're like running at the time that can happen too um but it gives you some verticality and power to contest um the high ground right so in maps like gibraltar this is sometimes swapped uh and the winston gets spread in instead of the reinhardt sometimes in maps like uh control numbani. maps or numbani yeah where high ground is super super important um and sometimes the rhine is not as effective in these maps maps that are a little more flat reinhardt 100 percent of the way for goats and you see this happening in the teams uh, but yeah, if you want to have that verticality edge, for the most part, you're going to Winston. That being said, if the enemy team is running goats with a rind, most of the time you'll see teams swap the Winston to a rind back. Um, so it's very at some point. At some point, it's very comp dependent in that sense as well. But if the enemy team is running like goats rind, you'll usually match him. If they're playing another composition that has some verticality, a little more movement and you're in a map that is very vertically dependent, you'll see some teams swap the Ryan for the Winston. And the, the last consideration with Winston is definitely if you are in the attacking team versus the defensive team. I have seen teams where the verticality is a good enough consideration to consider it, but not necessarily run it unless you're attacking, because then you have the initiative of getting in and out and forcing the fights, like a Winston and a Diva jumping onto the point without using their mobility and forcing the enemy team to contest them without them taking a whole lot of damage and then simply just using their mobility abilities to get out is very, very strong to kind of basically force and funnel the enemy team to specific avenues that you need. I've also seen this on Dorado. It's very, very good on Dorado. Yeah, Dorado um, in particular. And second point, like verticality is so important that that high ground that you get in the second point, um, having control of that is insane. And if you can have heroes like Winston and Diva that can keep like jumping up and down from there, and basically mm -hmm. avoiding death just by sheer mobility um, is so strong, while the Reinhardt is very static in the bottom. Yeah, you'll sometimes see this on Ilios Ruins as well as um, 
I saw it some fringe cases on Volskaya. I think Andres, you had mentioned that, and Rialto on point one and two as a consideration, just not on three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- those are just some places where you might see this. Control, um, maps, now, control want- maps in general, sometimes they'll run mm-hmm. in only because mobility is so important in these maps. Sometimes, regardless of verticality or not, you'll see them running. Um, mm-hmm. These are the only maps who sometimes running dive is still preferred over goats and i think it's worth mentioning that yeah yeah the last thing i wanted to mention with regards to a 3-3 setup was why zen is the main core and moira and anna are optional considerations and i think that the main thing here is that first and foremost i need to thank uh shazir for the thousand bits that he donated live on the show this week thanks shazir um big thanks shout out to you i know he's not able to listen to the stream today and wanted to just say hey um, the, the Zenyatta is basically the core of helping your team focus on a target, right? You're getting a gigantic boost in damage per hero. So it's, it's like basically if you had five mercies damage boosting each of your targets, that's kind of how Zenyatta works. And it's really weird to think of it that way, but the only reason that you have to consider it this option is because if everyone is playing in a coordinated six versus six format and everyone is focusing one target then that target is receiving 30 percent more damage from each source not just from one source so if reinhardt brigitte zinata everyone's able to shoot them and hit them when they're, when they're not barriered then they're doing a lot of damage so that's why that is set up as is key the reason that you might choose an ana or a zinata or a, a moira would be to counter specific other setups. If the enemy team is not running goats, for example, and they're running something like a Farah, and you need something besides your diva to kind of help mitigate that Farah's setup, you might run an Ana. There also might be some set plays based off of the map that you might consider to be better options. Monitoring cooldowns, waiting for them to go all in on protecting their team with a Zenyatta ultimate, and then using the, the anti-grenade to deny them healing. That's a big thing with the Ana setup as well as a sleep dart on a Reinhardt when they're in a Graviton Surge for a Diva Bomb. You can do that too. And then the Moira setup was, I don't really know, I think, of any other maps besides offense on Horizon where I saw a Moira being played. Um, Offense on Horizon was the primary one because you want to get a lot of healing into your team with speed and then push them into the point. And the Moira could kind of deal with a good mix of other things. You don't always have to use the offensive orb. You could use the damage orb if you needed to. And then the big ultimate is kind of a big pressure point with small avenues of access to point A in particular. Yeah. Let's talk about the healers because to think about the importance of Zenyatta, we're going to think of the healers as a whole. I think for a while, either Ana or Moira were preferred on GOATS. I think while GOATS was kind of like starting form and that massive healing that those two heroes provide pairs Mm -hmm. really well with the the tags. But I think over time, this comp has been perfected and now they get away with only uh, Zenyatta... Brigitta and Lucio, which historically have had lower healing outputs than most of the other heroes. And at first you would think, oh, but this is kind of silly to lose so much healing for this, but you gain so much utility with these three heroes. And not only that, teams have gotten so good at playing and they've realized that GOATS really revolves around your 
cooldowns, right? And as long as you're engaging and attacking around your cooldowns, you can mitigate a lot of the damage through there, right? Saria shields, Reinhardt barrier, uh, Brigitte burst heal, um, speed boost can be a great way to just avoid certain damage. Um, <clears throat> So just keeping that in mind, the healer's job to heal immediately becomes less of a liability if your tanks are playing around those cooldowns and you gain an insane amount of damage from the Sin and the Discord Orb um, that's constantly spamming. If you're playing against another GOATS comp, the GOATS that has the Sin is going to have an edge on damage. Um, sure, the, the Ananade is super important and can really wreck some Sins that are not using it correctly. But as like we said, as long as the GOATS team is playing correctly and playing around those cooldowns, avoiding nades, uh, the D.Va is on it and, you know, eating mm. all those sleep darts and the nades, she loses some value while the Zen still bringing in all that damage, Discord orbs, regardless, nobody can stop that. And you get Transcendence, which is a huge, huge, huge defensive vault. Especially when you're going against those huge um, Graviton shatters, etc., right? Or even just somebody gets caught out and you need to bail them as well as yourself out and you need a speed boost to get to point. Those those are other considerations. The Ana was definitely very, very popular for a long time just for the sake of denying heals. That was a big powerhouse. And Moira was a big power because, you know, you can get out of the Graviton. You can use another ult that does da a little bit of extra damage and healing of a whole team in a, in a specific zone. So it doesn't mean that these other heroes aren't great. It just means that in more gener generic senses, the Zen will get more utility because it increases the, or it lowers the time to kill on a lot of your targets. So you yeah. can kill things faster. Yeah. And, and you have the defensive ult, like Andres was saying. The Zen, the Zen Brigitte Lucio goads, I think is considerably harder to play. Um, if you're yeah, trying to sure. play goats, it's so much easier to play it with a Nana or a Moira. It helps keep everyone alive. Your coordination is not going to be perfect and uh, you're probably going to be missing a lot of cooldowns. So your Reinhardt might be dying here and there. Your Zara mm -hmm. might be dying here and there. So having mm -hmm. the Ana helps out a lot more. But for these for these guys that have been practicing this comp for so long and that are top tier players, they've found that playing these three healers actually gives them a slight edge over taking the increased healing. Instead, they want to take in the increased utility and aggression. So if you're out there and you're just wanting to play in, you know, bronze, silver, gold, diamond, plat, um, even just masters, um, you're going to see steadily the more popularity of the Ana or the Zen variations. However, that doesn't mean you can't play the other ones because it could shore up a lot of your team's weaknesses by just giving your team more healing output. So if you're playing in a team, maybe you're playing in this new fun Xbox League and you're on console and you're just like, well, I think our team's just a little bit weaker. Maybe you can cover their weakness by playing a Moira into this slot. And you can really outperform the enemy team just by having, A, a comfort pick on something that you're more comfortable with. Your team's more used to playing with Moiras, maybe. And then you can kind of just push through and play it that way. You can learn a different variation of the same comp. Um, but let's get into the main counter that we've been seeing, which is map dependent. We did see that the map dependency was a big thing, and I found that at most, Sombra was picked on 2CP and Payload the most often, um, and less on the um, control maps outside of Busan. I'd say Busan's probably the only exception to this. Why is Sombra such a major player um, to consider outside of running D.Va, Andres? 
Why why is this like the big spooky um I don't Zumbra, know. Sombra it's the, a one answer is like a one answer to all your problems kind of thing. When you're mm-hmm. in a goats dominated meta and you know that goats is dependent on cooldowns, is dependent on the abilities working together uh to drive that team forward and not only that, shields as well. Um, Sombra is like the one person that can be like, guys, I got the solution. I can take that all away in one second. Um, and especially when you're playing against Ghost, Sombra has a lot of free territory to just spam her damage from above. She can just stay in high ground, which she can gain easily with her teleporter, which is on a four second cooldown. So you're constantly zooming past um, their composition. You're hacking the Reinhardts, you're hacking the Divas, which makes their life a lot harder. You can't really engage head on um, with goats if your Reinhardt is hacked, right? Your Reinhardt might actually die or get bursted out. Um, so building EMP is quite fast with Sombra. And then once you can EMP them, uh, all shields are gone. You can probably kill the Zayana really quick. There's no speed boost. There's no Zarya barrier. Um, some teams get good at countering the EMP and preventively using their ults like right before it happens, like Zenyatta's, you know, transcending. They're spreading right out it and running the Winston instead of Reinhardt. That's also another strategy. Right, but Zumbra is enough to disrupt goats enough that um, if the goats play is not on point and they're not like keeping an eye out for the Sombra. Sombra can be a direct counter to to all of them, I think. Yeah, and and she has also been used when you kind of start out the first 10 to 20 seconds of a map. I've seen that people will just pick Sombra because she's wicked fast while stealthed. Go out there, scout, maybe consider staying on Sombra or even just like telling the enemy team what they're running if they want to run something different than a goat's composition maybe they run a 3-2-1 or they want to run a 2-2-2 and you can potentially stay on the somber the somber can get back quickly and set a translocator right outside of spawn and just translocate back and switch so this is also another alternative strategy you can use the somber for which is just pure scouting at the start of a game if you're on offense in particular on defense much less useful but definitely on offense especially on two cp maps like volskaya we've been seeing this a lot um, less so, I, th- I think it's probably Volskaya and and uh, Horizon are definitely the most common. But I think that there's not a whole lot of um, of control maps in this pool currently uh, for, because they're not playing all of the maps in Overwatch League. I don't know if a lot of the players know that right now, but that's why the the, the maps are a little bit more linear in that way. Um, it doesn't mean that the power of these comps is less, but it just means that it's more narrow and focus, which is good. Um, another thing too with Sombra that is really, really interesting is that the best teams running Sombra currently are the ones that are utilizing getting EMP the fastest and using it to get targets when they can deal with them. You're going to see a lot of Overwatch League games if you follow your favorite teams out there where EMPs are going out and they're hitting three to six targets and nothing's happening. Um, that's because of the timing or the readiness of the team or maybe the enemy team blew a cooldown that is a graviton surge of importance or a, a hammer down in which that the EMP's duration and value significantly goes down when it hits just after a major cooldown gets used. 
So you have all of these other things that are considering, or maybe the Sombra is using it to kind of get you some more staying power and fighting back. It doesn't shut off passives. That's another big thing. So if the Lucio happens to be on healing and the Brigitte is already using their whip, they're still healing through a lot of it. Um, so you have say, to basically make sure you hit the right stuff. I was going to say in relation to that, sometimes the teams that are bringing out the Sombra to counter the goats are usually the weaker goats team that is trying to beat the stronger goats team. And um, sometimes it's not as much that the Sombra EMP didn't get any value is that the other team is actually very much aware of the EMP and they're playing correctly, right? If you, preparing for it. Yeah, yeah, if you're watching some of the best GOATS teams right now, they're they're playing that composition so well that sometimes they can avoid all these counters. Like all these things that you consider like would counter GOATS um, are being kind of like bypassed by sheer outplaying, positioning, um, ultimate management, and, you know, um, accounting for them too, knowing that the Sombra is going to be there. Uh, that being said... It's not that goats is uncounterable. It's just that when you perfect it that much, it's kind of it is kind of hard to. Yeah, and I I kind of think that there is some truth to that, but there's also some other teams that are thinking. You know, I think that the sombra comp is just not practiced as much, and we're you know you know what I mean. Like it's it's Fair. one of those things where with anything in Overwatch, when new testing is happening, you not only have to test something and find some success on it, but you have to perfect it. And even when major patches hit, that definitely helps you because that means that people have to kind of not necessarily relearn a comp, but but relearn a few of the aspects of it to kind of change things up and how they consider using abilities and approaching with certain setups and reacting to certain situations. They can't do the same thing they always did on a major patch. And that's why you see the most creativity after those things. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, the longer you sit on a patch, the more perfection time that you get playing what is perceived to be strong and playing other things that people are trying to invent to kind of counter. Um, and the problem with goats is that it was popular before and after this major patch and people are still probably going to try and do it again even after the next patch. Goats has been going on for a while, so it has momentum, right? It's not only been strong for, for just this season, but it's been strong for like three or four previous seasons. So I right. think that people Since are coming the end in with of that. the last Overwatch League until now, it's been played. Yeah, it's been coming in with momentum and people are very used to playing it. A lot of these top teams, that's what they practice the most. So mm -hmm. yeah, everyone's very comfortable in it. You, I have noticed a lot of the new Chinese teams that have joined the league though, they're not playing a lot of GOATs. And I don't know if it's like the, the Chinese meta kind of thing, like they've been playing kind of like in their own bubble over there. So they're coming out with their own meta out from China. Um, but I am curious to see once they start fighting some of the other teams, especially some of the really strong ghost teams, how they're going to fare. Uh, are they going to find some crazy quadruple DPS counter or some tech? Or are they going to get rolled over by teams that have perfected uh, goats so much? Yeah, and you're going to want to go watch the um, Chengdu versus Guangzhou um, game, which was on Saturday, the 16th of February. It's the very last game, and no spoilers here, but if you can find it, definitely go check out that match. That was two Chinese teams, or rather teams that are owned by China, in which Chengdu is a full Chinese roster, and Guangzhou is mostly Korean players. Um, but... Um, the Spark in Hangzhou played Valiant this weekend, and they also played the Shanghai Dragons. 
And in those games, uh, Shanghai has a few Chinese players and Hangzhou Spark also has one or two Chinese players that are kind of mixing things up. But uh, besides that, um, I think that the the next thing that we need to kind of cover here is the variants of what we have um, that we spoke of earlier. You can also say that those variants would work with a Sombra comp, meaning that you can substitute the Diva or sorry, substitute the Sombra or the Diva slot for something else. So McCree, Reaper, Tracer, and Symmetra have been the four major ones that I've seen used and used successfully. <laughs> Those are kind of my two things that if they're going to use it and they're going to do something different, they better win with it or it's not good enough, <laughs> at least on the stage for now. And again, yeah. we haven't seen a whole lot of footage, but Andres, what do you think are kind of the considerations running through team's mind when you're considering something other than Sombra, like these four heroes that we mentioned? I think one is the element of surprise. It's not like these other heroes are completely useless. Obviously, DPS heroes, you can still get a lot of bang for your buck from, from them. Um, and I, I think it's the mixing it up sometimes that can give you the the advantage here. So bringing right. a McCree or a Reaper is just if you can protect it, which you can with goats, you have all the elements necessary to keep that guy alive uh, with shield, speed boost, you know, um, healing orb on them. So you, you babysit him almost and you gain a huge advantage in damage, which I think can sometimes be very useful in things like control maps. Um, it's I, I think that control maps have been control and assault have been the two where I've seen the most variation of this or a hybrid like King's Row where that's a kappa point, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Reaper is not a bad choice nowadays, especially after all the buffs. Uh, you get your Death Blossom. Mm -hmm. He's definitely not the, the answer to goats, and he's not going to, like, counter goats just by himself. Far from right. it. But bring him in kind of like that as a surprise element, changing it mm -hmm. up a little bit, uh, and using it for a very specific reason, you know, like Death Balling through, getting you that Reinhardt kill before they can get yours. Um can work pretty well yeah so what are what are some things that we've seen in the fringe and why so usually when i say fringe this means that not every not every team is running them some teams are specializing in these especially which we'll get to uh, the fun strat that defran ran on ilios well <laughs> uh, here in a little bit but the uh the main thing of the fringe case is that all of these are fringe in that they're map dependent and sometimes especially with regards to control points where you have the three different maps, it's even a sub-map dependent, where you're not going to run anything except on that one map on this particular one. For example, Ilios on Ruins, I'm going to have a completely different strategy than I'm going to run Ilios on the Well or even Ilios on the Lighthouse. And some teams were running some of the same things on all three or just some of the two. So let's get into these real quick. I'll kind of just blast through these because I don't really think that there are a lot of really good discussions um, to just mention the comps, but Andres, you can feel free to interject at any point. So the first one, and probably the most common of these, was the Pharmacy 222. This was basically running Farah and Mercy together as your main core with a dive setup on the tanks, Anna, or sorry, on Winston and D.Va. So that's your core is Far Far Mercy, Winston, and Diva, and the other two are kind of just mix and match what you need to counter the enemy team with, or what you can synergize with your team better. And what the most common inclusions were, guess who? Sombra and Anna to deny healing. 
um, mm -hmm. because Zenyatta is kind of left out in the dust. The other consideration you could include here instead of Ana would be Lucio, but the idea with this setup, uh, or even Moira, um, excuse me, you could use Moira or Lucio in this setup for the more mobility, but from what it looks like in this composition, the main thing that you lack without an Ana is the healing department because everything is splitting up and moving around. So that's why the Ana is kind of the main choice here. This one, this composition is still all-star in certain uh, control <clears throat> maps. Like certain control maps are just built for this composition. It gives you so much damage, so much mobility. And uh, if you have a really good Farah player on your team, uh, some of these maps are almost like, this is it. You know, this is the, the bee's knees in this map. Mm -hmm. We saw this played uh, mix and match on Dorado on different points. Um, certain points sometimes tried on the full map. We saw this on Ilios Lighthouse and sometimes Ilios. Uh, there's a variation of this pharmacy setup, which is the 3-2-1, which I'll just go ahead and briefly mention, um, was run by... Let's see, I mentioned this on the Koth. Yes, 3-2-1, 3 DPS, um, the Koth map. This is a Pharma, Pharma Mercy setup with... Hanzo and Ash alongside Hammond and Lucio. So this is going for the lesser heals, more mobility with Hammond and Lucio. And then alongside that, you just bring in Ash and Hanzo to have their own mobility with other things. And I guess the idea was that Dynasty was running this so that they could run Bob and have him sit on the point while they just go and do whatever the heck they want. So they can cap the point with Bob or engage with him and kind of have one person sitting on the point. It didn't really work too well for them, but they ran this on the well on for Gladiators, and they ended up switching out uh, Fissure on Hammond for Winston, so I guess dude, there's some variation there. It definitely seemed like too little footage, too late, but I, I, I could tell they were practicing this particular comp for that specific map. Um, it was just something that they had been trying with, with Pharmacy to try a different variant to maybe do some more damage on, on that map. All right, the next one is... The new dive comp, which is 222, of course, and this is running Diva Winston on Alicio. That's the most core dive comp that we've had with the slight variation of running Zen over Ana, of course, which has always been a consideration. And then the two dive heroes instead of Tracer Genji is Tracer and Sombra because Sombra is super strong in this meta right now. Um, Sombra just gives so much is, more value against the tanks than Genji does. Honestly, Genji against Goats, it's, it's almost pointless sometimes. And the idea is sometimes the Sombra can sneak up on a target and not have to hack them. And then the Sombra and Tracer can just blow up a support really, really quickly without them knowing that they're there. And or a combo with Lucio really quickly in a, in a mobility setup after an EMP. So that's that's how that works. Um, this was run uh, also with a slight variation where that Spitfire tried this exact comp, except they didn't play Sombra. They ran a Widowmaker because... You know they have bird ring, <laughs> so if you're running if you're running this comp, you're probably um, you're probably Spitfire with bird ring and and profit where you run profit on the tracer and bird ring on the the widow or a McCree or your Carpe and you just like mm, put Carpe on widow. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. So that's that's the first thing here. The next one is Ilios Well Torbstrat. I'm gonna give this to Andres to talk about because this is his team. <laughs> oh man, I'm so happy with ATL. Actually, they've been performing super super well. I couldn't find have asked anymore for a debut. They almost beat Spitfire too. Oh my god, I was losing my my <laughs> brain when that match was happening. It was so good. Um, but yeah, the friend pulling out the infamous. Torbjorn, they came out with a Hanzo, Torb, Lucio, Sin, Orisa, 
and Diva for Ilya as well. And I think this was mostly a joke comp. I don't think they were trying to be too serious. I think that's mostly trying to hype up the friend. But it goes to show that in control maps, you can still be a little bit less picky about composition. And as long as you have a composition that can contest a point and bring some damage, cause some mayhem, uh, you can get away with it. Um, get it, mayhem, because they were playing against the mayhem. <laughs> I personally don't Rob think this is, is a joke comp. <laughs> I think that they understand that in the league, there are very few players that are really good Torbjorn players. And Defran is actually one of them. And uh, I was thinking about this from a compositional on paper standpoint, and I think it really works because if you're going to be running a comp that is typical, either a bunker strat where you kind of like sit down on the point, maybe rotate a little bit around with an Orisa or Reinhardt, and um, and uh, you're running a Torbjorn, you basically can use the turret to help you farm ultimate when it's available and when the enemy team can't spend a lot of their resources or time to actually deal with it. Um, the, tu the turret was basically just getting him ult quicker, quicker, but the, the, um, the molten core that actually goes on the ground is denying the entire zone, which is very limited on. Well, you might it's add, true. it's basically like four corners and like two slivers on each side. So he's basically used that to kind of shut them out of certain zones. And then when it wasn't working, um, or when the Torbjorn died once or twice, I think it was basically he maxed out at two deaths. He would go and swap for a um, Orisa. They would go back to just regular standard goats, and they'd be playing that. Or so they'd run so um, it, a Tracer. This is, what, this is why I say it's kind of like a Mimi comp, because I think it works because of the element of surprise and the fact that they were playing against a team that didn't cut onto it very fast. Or And once they were able to kind of stabilize <clears throat> and Mayhem was able to take back control of the point, kill the friend a couple of times. They were like, okay, let's go back to, you know, or, or known goats. Because after that is quite hard to, like after you know they have a Torbjorn and you're accounting for the Torbjorn and you're pressuring that Torbjorn, it's so much harder to gain value than let's say Zarya, where you don't care if they know, if you, you know, they know you're there. You're still mm -hmm. just damaging and using shields. So maybe if I see it again against another team, I would have to see ATL take uh, another surprise from a better team with his comp for me to be like, hmm. okay, okay, ATL, that's your comp. I mean, they ran it twice in a row um, against two different teams. So I think that this is their strat on well, personally. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right, now. actually. We'll see, how, we'll see how it works out. I, I personally <laughs> believe in this strat because I love the way that Torbjorn works with Arisa's, um driver like uh overdriver you do a lot of damage with that shotgun and you can do it really quickly and pair that with a hanzo you can use the hanzo ultimate to kind of funnel them on one side they move into that zone and then you can torbolt them on that side i will and say, they're running a diva so you have a lot of zoning tools with this comp you're basically saying no you can't go here no we're going to put a diva bomb there no we're going to torbolt this section and we I have will say that historically, the way this map is played with the orisa the torb can be quite a uh, quite effective just because like yeah. you said with the Hanzo and the Torb you can break that Orisa shield very fast mm -hmm. and the Torb kind of gives you some crossfire um, right. opportunities we are yeah. we're kind of like okay. running a little low on time but I do want to mention one more of these fringe comps because sure. a lot of them are really cool but one of them that are is actually quite popular and even top teams like New York Excelsior have been kind of using a little bit is the quadruple DPS comp running one tank quadruple DPS and one healer um, works quite well sometimes. And it was a strategy that 
first came out in contenders to try to beat goats. And it, <clears throat> one of the teams was having a huge success with this composition and they actually ended up going to the finals, I think winning it. Um, but that being said, 411 is a composition to watch out for. And I think it's kind of interesting that right now we have such polarized comps, right? Like goats being so tank and healer heavy and then you have the polar opposite is just like you know what go full dps and these both extremes kind of like duke it out at each other and the the four dps can have success against goats that being said it's a matter of how good the goats team is and like we talked about at the beginning of the episode can the goats team survive long enough to justify the value that they get, right? Can they stand in the point or push the payload far enough before the quadruple DPS takes over um, for them to, to justify the goats? And some of the better teams can do this and they can withstand the quadruple DPS. Um, but that being said, it's definitely a strategy that's cropping up here and there and is becoming more and more common. Um, what do you think about this one? I couldn't go back into all of the footage and see some things, but I did find one particular example was a 4-4-4 four, 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 uh, game again in Volskaya where both teams had about a minute and a half to go cap point one. And um, it was Spitfire versus Fusion, if you're looking for the game. And basically both teams were not running GOATs. They were both running a 4-1-1 with a Hammond, a Widowmaker, a Tracer, a um, Mercy and then a Sombra and a Farah. So the idea was that the Mercy just kind of maintains keeping people topped off and damage boosting whoever is giving out the most pressure. And the Hammond is kind of just the nuisance constantly. Yeah. And a, and everybody, a bot for Mercy to get your comp. ult back. I call it the whirlwind comp because this comp attacks you from every direction and you never really know where they're coming from. You have yeah. Hammond diving you from whatever it is he can dive you because he can just like pretty much fly around Hammond anywhere. and Tracer are pretty much moving on their own. And, and then, then you, you have, have Widow and Pharaoh. Then you have Pharmacy, which is also just like super high above the sky, just nuking you down, probably out of your reach. If you focus on the Pharaoh too long, the Tracer comes mm -hmm. behind you. If you turn around to get the Tracer, the Sombra comes to your side. Sombra hacks you. When you look yep. at Sombra after you hack and Hammond piles drive you from above. Yep, um, it's brutal. It's basically an, yeah, an all assault in every front kind of thing. And there's, there's also some people thinking... Maybe four one one is not as good, and so they're running a three two one. And I listed these in the show notes, so you can go check them out. But the main thing is that three two one has got a different setup for assault than it does for King of the Hill, at least from what we've seen, because different teams are doing it. Um, and the only difference with the, this one is that you're not running a, you're running the somber tracer widow, but you're not you're removing the Farah and replacing it with a Lucio and a Zen instead of the Mercy. So you basically take out Fair of Mercy and you insert Zen Lucio so you get the Discord to help everyone. And then Lucio starts making some serious frags because he can just get in and out like fast food restaurant. You got Then you got a Widowmaker just set up shop in the middle when the entire team is diving. And they don't have time to deal with your Widowmaker anymore. <laughs> frags is the name of the game. You have to be getting frags with this composition and fast. That's the, the whole idea of it is you have a lot of damage. Hopefully your players are really good in these roles and you're just nuking down everywhere because this mm -hmm. comp cannot play the point. You cannot stand the point like Goats does and try to get percentage while the other team is up. It's, that's kind of just suicide and defeats the purpose of running this comp. 
Um, so that is why goats can still go toe-to-toe with it. As long as they are contesting a point, they're good. But that being said, don't try to take the point with this composition. It plays more like dive in that sense, where mm. you're looking for targets and you're trying to overwhelm them with damage and positioning. Uh, and then you contest the objective. All right. And this is not a comp consideration. This is just a final addendum that Andres and I wanted to make sure we covered, which was what happens when it's overtime, <laughs> basically? What happens to teams when team comp goes out the window and all y'all need to do is stall? Um, these are the heroes you basically are starting to pick. It doesn't even matter who these people are playing. It's kind of like a priority list of who can get to point quickly, who can stay there longer, who can stall more time, who can get there and do their thing. And ultimate economy goes straight out the window in this case. Andres, who are your first three picks that you look at if the team is running GOATs what do you switch to? Usually Hammond is a great first choice. He's beefy enough and he is mobile enough that he can get back to the point and kind of like dance around it a little bit. Um, Tracer tends to be a decent hero. May comes to mind as well. Just like a hero that can stand at the point by herself and stall for a significant amount of damage, usually long enough for another teammate to come back. So I would say All-Stars, May and Hammond, Tracer to a third degree. Um, Sombra, I don't really like that much for for stalling. I think that she can get killed a little bit too fast. Diva can be great. Uh, definitely a Diva can help out. She's a little bit easier to hit, but the Matrix can buy you just enough time to sometimes contest and fly around again. Um, Winston with Primal Rage can be amazing. If you already have Winston with you, you're close to ult. You might as well stay him because you know there's no there's no better choice there. Um, true. Lucio, Lucio can be really good actually uh, with speed boost and dancing around the walls. In certain points, like uh, Anubis point two, amazing. Lucio can stall for a really long time. Yep, took all of them. That's right. Um, so oh, if you're I'm looking sorry, to stall, I was to say it's three. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, that was pretty much it because most of the time you're going to have a D.Va or you're going to have a Lucio in the first place. So those are usually not the ones. Maybe you're already one running a Winston. Um, that's a good good point to start. The only other one that I was going to say is potentially if everyone's covered and you just need to get in the point, I always consider Junkrat and Reaper. Uh, mostly Reaper because you have the sustainability to dish out damage and heal damage. Um, and the only reason I picked Junkrat is because he just like kind of like can shotgun himself to the point quickly with his mind and then just deal a ton of damage immediately. And then if he happens to die and they're on point on top of you, you have the mayhem that you die with that does a little bit more damage and maybe you can finish the target if they're, if they're not being careful. But those, those are only the considerations that I look at when I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, and yeah, things. Stall Heroes at that point becomes super important over composition because it doesn't matter what composition you're running at that point. You probably won't have much synergy just because you're so staggered and you can't rely on any other heroes comboing with you. So at right. that point, the name of the game becomes what is the hero that I can survive the most with? And that is what kind of you should be concerned about is keeping yourself alive rather than getting kills. Um, and this is why if you're focusing on getting kills, you probably are making yourself vulnerable in one way or another. While if you're focusing on getting or keeping yourself alive and mitigating damage while staying on the point and running the overtime, it buys your teammates maybe enough time for them to come back. And honestly, the only way to come back when you're down in overtime and staggered is if you can regroup just enough 
One person will probably do nothing. Two people, maybe, because at least they'll be focusing one person and the other one has a little bit of time. It's all about odds. Yeah. Three people, now you're talking about it because you have at least two people that are distracting. That third person might actually have enough time to make a play. Uh, but especially if you're the only one coming back to point, only focus on surviving. Um, and if you want to take it to the next level, try to pay attention to when people are coming back so that if you haven't died and you see that your Winston is able to jump into the point, you can do the good old Korean stall and just head back, allow yourself to be healed. And instead of dying and waiting another 10 seconds, you can rotate back. Uh, a lot harder to do without coordination, but it can definitely be done. So the reason, again, for this is to A, get the enemy's clock down lower and lower. If you're on 2CP or on payload, trying to get it all the way down to overtime and then you can finish the map or get your chance, your team a chance to deny before they can cap it. Those are the two considerations for those options. And then for control point, you're just trying to hold the map and get as much possible percentage as you can to get up to that 85 is kind of your magic number for limiting the enemy team to one more fight or less so that you flip the point and the game is over. Those are what you're looking for there. Guys, thanks so much for listening to our episode about compositions in Overwatch League. We hope this is something that was helpful for you. We really wanted to kind of start from the ground floor, kind of take you up the strats as, as best we could and explain them kind of from the groundwork. Um, we also had some few people to thank. We have our Diamond sponsorships over at patreon.com slash Omnic Lab. If you guys want to help us out, this is the best way to support us financially um, outside of Twitch Prime, which you can do on um, our Twitch page live on Twitch. We we shout out the people that are doing um, any any kind of bits donations or just subbing with Twitch Prime or Twitch Regular. We are affiliates there. But the people that we have to thank are Diamond Sponsors and new sponsors this week. We have Top Square Solutions, Silver Loki, Solo PS4, Jan Jinko, Roger B, Shazir, Chris Tapleya, Tragic Zach, Lissum, Refire, Matthew Z, Brendan D, Benny in the Jets, and new patron of the week, Ramon R. Thank you guys so much for your support. Um, it definitely helps us do things like getting to events, getting new equipment, maintaining broken equipment, and also um, doing things like BlizzCon for the show. If you guys want to do that and look up some more of the perks there, you can check out patreon.com slash OmniClab or twitch.tv slash OmniClab for the live shows. Sorry, this is a little bit later than normal. We're going to be getting this to your eardrums, but we hope you enjoyed the show. Um, let's close it out by saying if you want to find anything OmniClab, the community, our Discord, everything is on the website at OmniClab.com slash links. Andres, where can people find your lovely face talking about Overwatch online or maybe Apex these days? <laughs> yeah, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at iPlayGames. You spell that I-P-L-A-I games. And now that I've finally done with school, I graduated this weekend, actually. Um, I want to be... Yay. Yay! I want to start doing a little <laughs> bit more content. I have been playing some Apex, but that's mostly been... Uh, for fun I, that game is addictive i don't know and it's it's close enough to like overwatch and classes and the the mm -hmm. the game speed is fast enough compared to like PUBG. um that i, I don't know it just it's tickling my fancy right now but yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll be trying to put a little bit more content and be more active in the community now that i have some more free time i'll be working with switch on some uh data stuff hopefully bring you guys some cool uh overwatch league data of some sort uh, so stay tuned with that and follow me on Twitter. If you guys want to find me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the tag not Rob. 
And that's basically it. You guys want to find us, you can talk to us in Discord and come hang out on the game night on the 22nd of February. We'll see you then. Remember, be good to each other and don't be a lab rat. Be a scientist. Be a scientist. We'll see you next week. I'm going to get some rest. <laughs> Bye, guys. I have nothing more to teach you. The rest you must learn.